With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 65 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. They were at MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon to watch the Giants move to 2-0. Another close victory. It was not the way I think most people thought this game would go after last year's shootout between the Giants and Saints, but a win nonetheless. So we're here to talk about it. James, we'll start with you. You were down there in New Orleans last November uh, for the shootout between the Giants and the Saints, and they kept, throughout the Fox broadcast on Sunday, kind of looking back to that game last year at different points in the game, what the score was compared to Sunday. I mean, I think the first thing to start with is it was just a totally different game this time and obviously different results for the Giants. It's amazing what $200 million in, in, NF, in defensive starters that actually belong playing in the NFL can do for you, isn't it? It is. I mean, the Giants not only look like a competent defense, right now they look like a pretty good defense. It was a tremendous effort by the defense. I thought that they made Drew Brees look pretty ordinary, which is not something that you usually can say. His numbers coming into this game were, were ridiculous. And I think the, the other big thing for the defense is they should have won that game by, I think, 10, 17, 21 points. Now, that should not have been a close game. The offense was abysmal for most of the day. And the defense, so many times last year, the offense wouldn't be able to close the deal, and the defense would then get the safe dropped on its head at the end. That defense was strong the entire way. Only one touchdown allowed to the Saints. That's remarkable. They kept the offense in the game and let the offense stumble into the win at the end. So used to be the other way around last year. Great win for the Giants. 2-0 start, first time since 2009. They're, they've got some issues. They've got some things they have to fix, but – They've got to be flying high in East Rutherford right now. Yeah, they, they do. And, Dan, for you, I mean, you look at it, it's kind of a strange box score to look at. I mean, they're minus three in turnover differential. They don't score an offensive touchdown, yet they beat Drew Brees. James mentioned some of the things, obviously, and we'll get into them they have to work on, uh, but they win the game. What's your takeaway after watching that one? Yeah, strange is probably a good word for this box score. I mean, look at Eli Manning's line, you know, 368 yards. Uh, only nine incompletions, and I went back and, and looked at my notes, and seven of those could have been caught. I mean, he could have had a game for the ages, and yet they couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, really just a, a strange game all around, but obviously strange because we expected a shootout, and we didn't expect the Giants' defense to play as well as they did. I mean, it's very difficult to uh, to limit Drew Brees in this offense, and uh, that's two weeks in a row. I think a lot of us kind of tabled that first game as, ah, well, it was a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, We'll see what happens when, you know, a real offense comes to town. And, and this was obviously a more impressive effort. So 
Uh, I think this defense, as James said, $200 million goes a long way, but you know, you look around the league and, and it doesn't guarantee anything. So I think the fact that, you know, these free agents, these rookie uh, draft picks uh, in particular are stepping up on the defense and actually, uh, you know, following through on what the expectations were uh, is very encouraging. All right, let's stay on the defense. We'll get to the offense and then we'll kind of look ahead to uh, obviously a big game coming up next Sunday in the division uh, for the Giants. James, when we look at the defense here, you mentioned the $200 million they spent. Obviously, Janoris Jenkins made the big play for the Giants, I mean, the only touchdown they scored in the game was on special teams with the block and then Jenkins bringing it back. But who's standing out to you? Is it just those guys they brought in? Is that the big difference? Or is it, is it really a team effort? I mean, to me, I mean, Casillas, who we talked about recently in this podcast, has played much better than I thought he could. And what's standing out for me, at least yesterday, is it feels like the Giants have figured out here how to use Landon Collins, who has yes. a specific skill set as a safety that I thought last year maybe it was because the personnel he was with, they just couldn't use him the right way. But, I mean, he looks like a different player right now than he did as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, I think Darian Thompson is huge, I think, for this. You know, Nat Verhey is big. You know, last year, Landon Collins was being forced to play a role that I don't think he's really suited for because they had Brandon Merriweather next to him. They had a, a rookie who's not meant to be a cover guy, not necessarily meant to be the quarterback of the defense, and a guy who basically didn't belong in the NFL anymore. I think the fact that they have Thompson there now, they mesh well with Collins. Burhey's been an extremely reliable third safety. He can do a little bit of both. Collins can play to his skill set. But, yeah, I thought, you know, Casillas was great again. Landon Collins played well. The newcomers have been great. Leon Hall, I thought, had a really good day yesterday. After, you know, just kind of being there since he signed in training camp, he played well, I think, uh, Keenan Robinson had a, had a big workload. He, he played well on Sunday against the Saints. So everything was just kind of clicking. Jonathan Hankins, you know, I know he, he said he's not focusing on it, but look, it's a contract year for Jonathan Hankins. He has a chance to make himself a lot of money because he can just look next, you know, Damon Harrison, the guy next to him, and say, well, I can get myself some of that potentially too as a free agent. So he, he had a big game, obviously the blocked extra uh, block field goal. So it just seems like everything the Giants – on Sunday, at least, everything the Giants did in the offseason came together on defense. It really seemed to. And, Dan, you had a tweet. We're doing this podcast on Monday morning with some of the snap counts, and I noticed right away, and I, I mean, I, I thought about it during the game, but I didn't kind of crystallize it the way you did in your tweet. Eli Apple was basically out there the entire game, and, I mean, there was so much question when they drafted this kid, if he was the right pick in the first round that high, and did they, you know, did they miss out on the guys they wanted? But it, it feels like Eli Apple's, you know, not just a rookie. He's part of this defense for real out there. Yeah, it's really surprising, especially, I think, uh, in the offseason. Like you said, there was questions. I mean, he didn't look ready probably in the spring. Um, obviously made a big ju jump in training camp. But still, I, you, you figured, hey, you have two veterans in DRC and Janoris Jenkins, so kind of where is Eli Apple going to fit in? It almost feels like now they're trying to figure out where is DRC going to fit in because you know, Eli Apple, again, I don't know if it was just a one-game thing, uh, obviously because the Saints are a unique matchup because in the opener, you know, DRC and Jenkins were the top two corners. Uh, ben McAdoo doesn't really like to, to provide much insight when you ask him questions like that. So we'll see against the Redskins if Eli Apple is truly, you know, making that step to the number two cornerback. But the bottom line is yesterday you're going against, uh, you know, again, an explosive passing offense and you're putting your rookie out there for almost every snap opposite Jenkins. And DRC actually played the, the fourth most snaps out of cornerbacks. Uh, you know, James said Leon Hall was out there a lot and had a good game. So uh, it, it's nice that they have this flexibility that you can use different guys and, and uh, rotate them in and out 
but it, it seems like Eli Apple is, uh, you know, ahead of schedule because he's, uh, you know, certainly in their future plans, but he's, he's in the immediate plans right now. It's, it's clear. Yeah, and he's playing well out there. And as, as we look forward with this defense, I mean, it was so bad last year. So many games late this year. It's been the opposite, and they've done a really nice job through two games. James, for you, and really I want to get both your takes on this same question, when do you start saying this is what they are? It's always like that, you know, how much of a sample is enough to, to buy into what you see? Is it two games? Do you need to see it for a month? I mean, they shut down the running game of Ezekiel Elliott and the uh, Cowboys. They shut down or at least contained Drew Brees and a great passing attack with the Saints. How much more do you need to see, or are you sold right now, James? I think they're pretty close, obviously. I, you know, And we'll talk about this. I think this is a very big week for them because I wrote this on Monday morning at NJ.com. The Giants, and look, I'll eat some crow. I picked the Redskins to win the division. Uh, it's not working out in Washington. I did not. Dan <laughs> did not. Dan did not. Joe did, though. I so, did, too. Yeah, so we're, okay. we're two he's, out of three. Uh, all right. In the wrong here. We should have known, James. I mean, no one's won this division in back-to-back years for 12 years, and we said, yeah, yeah, the Redskins are the team to do it this time. Yeah, look, the Redskins are, are a confident team. The Giants can end their season on Sunday. So everyone's going to talk about you know, Giants 3-0. and That what a great start that would be. The Giants can bury the Washington Redskins on Sunday. If they're for real, they'll do it. They'll take – I mean, if you think about it, if the Giants beat the Redskins on Sunday – Washington is 0-3. They're done. You don't come back from 0-3 in the NFL. It, then it's a three-team division between the Giants, a rookie quarterback, and a rookie quarterback who's going to give way to a guy who can't stay on the field. I yeah. think the Giants are going to like their situation at that point. Now, I still think in terms of you know what is the ceiling for this Giants team, October is going to tell us that when they got to go to Minnesota, they got to go to Green Bay, they got to play Baltimore, they got to go to London and play the Rams. I'm holding off on making major judgments on this defense and on this team until we get through October. But right now, they look, they look like they're going to be a contender. They, I think they have to be considered the favorites to win the NFC East at this point. But they can really hammer that home Sunday if they put the Redskins out of their misery and get the job done. Dan, are you on the same page with that? It's, it's this coming week that the defense will either sell you or do you need to see more? James mentioned October. I mean, how long do you start saying, wow, this defense is going to go from you know, the bottom of the league to one that, you know, pretty much every week we could say they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think Sunday is a, a big step, you know, as James kind of outlined what this game could mean. But, yeah, I'm, I'm holding off. I think those two games at Minnesota, at Green Bay, will be when you can really tell the story. I'm not saying if they lose those games, you overreact and say, oh, it was a smokescreen uh, the first month. But if they can go, if they can keep this rolling into those games, because obviously those are going to be tough environments against good teams. I mean, Sam Bradford – uh, I'm sure Eagles fans love to see that performance out of him last night. Um, so, I mean, th- those two teams are the ones I'm circling as the real test. Is this, uh, you know, the real deal? But uh, so far, so good. And, and I think the Saints game, obviously, that, that's pretty real. I mean, I don't care what the Saints record ends up being. They put up points on everybody. And to hold them to 13 points yesterday was huge. Uh, again, the Redskins game will be big. But I think those two road games in the NFC North in October, uh, we'll really know where this team stands after that stretch. Yeah, we will. And now, you know, let's look to the other side of the ball because the defense has obviously been the story of the first two weeks because we wondered how good they could be. They've stepped up. It's been different than last year. The Giants have been in total different than last year with the 2-0 and start. But kind of like we talked about the start this show, James, I mean, it's not been maybe what we thought it was going to be. And the offense, two weeks in, how do you look at it? Is it is it the glass is half full? Is it half empty? I mean, 
we talked about Eli Manning and what he could have done on Sunday with the stats, you know, a couple drops here and there. I mean, they would have been historic. I'm looking at Eli's numbers right now in front of me, and I don't even think the Giants' offense has gotten in sync yet. He's completing 73.9% of his passes, a quarterback rating of 106.9. The one interception, obviously, in Dallas, Shepard and he were not on the same page. How do you look at the offense right now? I mean, there's the offensive line issues. We get into a lot of this, but James, for you right now, offense, is it, you know, they're kind of just tapping the surface or is there some concerns there that might hold them back from being what we thought they could be? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, yesterday run game was not very good. Um, they had, they had some moments that where they kind of ran the ball, but I think they averaged under three yards a carry. I'm, I'm pulling up the stats right now. I didn't think the run game was good. You know, I, I Rashad Jennings may have been a little bit banged up, although I, I my, I, I talked to him after the game, and he didn't have anything on his hand. I, I didn't even know he had something wrapped up until afterwards. I, I think he's okay. I didn't think the run game was great. The offensive line, look, I, I think people have to be realistic about what this offensive line. They're never going to be the Cowboys. They're never going to line up and drive teams three yards off the ball every snap and, and kick people's you know front rear ends up front. That They're not going to do that. They just have to be competent. I think that this is a concern. We got to see what Marshall Newhouse's status is going forward because Mike Sullivan, you know, Dan was there. He didn't sound like a guy who thought Will Beatty was was close to playing in a game. So if Newhouse can't play and, and Beatty's still not ready, they're going to have to go with Bobby Hart at right tackle. And, and Bobby Hart struggled at right tackle in the preseason. So look, there are definite concerns about this team with their offensive line and with the run game. But the Giants' dream that they, they talked about of Shepard and Beckham and Cruz on the field at the same time, it basically has come to fruition, and they almost had 300 yards combined on Sunday. So they've got that going for them. They've got Manning playing extremely well. So I think it's, it's probably glass half full because, you know, the run game and the offensive line, they at least showed against the Cowboys that they can get their act together and be pretty dangerous when they do so. Dan, what are you feeling about this offense right now? I mean, there's a lot, I think, to look forward and say, wow, they could become really dynamic, but then there's that offensive line and the running game inconsistency. I don't know how to feel about them, but I kind of tend to agree with James that there's some real positive things that maybe could take over here. Yeah, it just feels like there's something that's just missing. You know, it's, it's early in the season and, and so, you know, some new pieces getting worked in. Uh, could you see flashes or you see individual plays or even individual players and you're like, wow, this has a uh, chance to be a big-time offense. And then you look at the scoreboard the last two weeks and it hasn't manifested itself. So I don't know exactly what it is that's missing because I don't think it was the offensive line in week one. Uh, obviously, it was more of a problem against the Saints. The running game really just couldn't do anything. Um, I think the the thing that this team will run into, obviously the red zone was good uh, in the first game, but it was, it was back to kind of where it was last season on Sunday, is they just don't have the ability to pound the ball when they really need to. I know they had that little bit of a drive against the Cowboys at the end. Um, but when you see Shane Vereen get stuffed twice uh, from, from the one-yard line in a key situation, uh, you see how much they have to throw down there. I mean, I know it's just it's tough in the NFL now. It seems like more teams are throwing down there, but – it would be nice if you could kind of line up and just punch one in from there. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, could be a little bit of an Achilles heel that they're going to be able to move the ball, but will they be able to convert uh, once they get down in the red zone? Um, but I think overall more good than bad. I mean, you kind of know what Eli Manning is obviously at this point. 
I don't think we've seen Odell Beckham's best for whatever reason. Um, he just was a little off yesterday, it seemed like, and, and, he, and he does. I say that, and he had eight catches for 86 yards. So uh, I think he'll figure it out. Uh, obviously, the emergence of Cruz and Shepard really has a chance to, to take this offense to a whole other level. Yeah, I think that's a good point on, on uh, Odell Beckham there. Eight for 86, and we're like, yeah, you know, he was all right. And that's just because of <laughs> the bar he set the last couple of years. Let's talk about the other two receivers, because I think Giants fans are really – excited about them for two different reasons we'll start with Cruz then we'll get to the the second round pick from this year in, in Sterling Shepard James we I remember having the podcast in August and we talked about how tenuous Victor Cruz's spot on this roster might be if he couldn't get out there and finally play in the preseason and practice and he met with Ben McAdoo and now what a month later two weeks in a row he makes the game defining play in a Giants victory something the Giants have been hoping and waiting could return. It has. How impressed are you with the way Cruz is playing? And obviously that catch uh, on Sunday to wrestle the ball away from the Saints defender, you know, with a couple minutes to go was just remarkable. It was a tremendous catch. But for me, I thought the play that stood out to me from Victor Cruz was the one where he fumbled the ball. And you would think he fumbled the ball. That's bad. And, you know, that's not, that's obviously not ideal, but Victor Cruz looked like Victor Cruz on that play. 40-yard catch and run. You know, he, he talked about in the preseason he was waiting for, you know, a moment where he'd be back. I think that was the moment, even though he fumbled the ball at the end. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I looked at that I was like, that's what Victor Cruz is supposed to look like. I thought the same thing. I actually am looking at my notes right now from the game, and I just wrote the word explosive. And I didn't know if I'd ever write that word again uh, when it came to Cruz. and. That's a great point, James. He, he looked his old self there, at least for a play, and then he, he kept playing, and he kept do, making plays. And uh, Dan, how, how about you? How surprised are you that, that Cruz is – I'm not going to say he's back to being an, you know, a, an all-pro or pro bowler because that's a very high level to be at, but he certainly looks to be a, a big part of this thing again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, frankly, I'm shocked. I mean, if you saw him early in training camp, I mean, he, he looked like just another guy. And that's why we were wondering if he was going to make the team. This is before he even got hurt. I mean, he couldn't get any separation. He didn't make any big plays probably the first three weeks of camp before he got injured. So it, a lot of people were just counting on, oh, you know, actually, I shouldn't say a lot of people. Some people were counting on, oh, it'll just come back to him. But it was, it was hard to believe that based on what we saw. And then sure enough, here we are in week two. And as James said, you saw a little vintage Victor Cruz on that long catch and run. Um, you know, he's getting off the line. He, he had separation on that deep ball and then obviously made uh, a great play just to, to wrestle it away from the cornerback. But yeah, he looks much better than he looked, uh, you know, just a month ago, uh, which is pretty remarkable when you consider how long he's been out. And I think, you know, probably the most exciting part is he still isn't probably a top gear. So uh, as he said a while ago, tune in and um, he's backing it up. See, here's go ahead, James. I was going to say the thing that strikes me the most about Victor Cruz is we are two weeks into the season. And tell me if you guys disagree with me. I think Victor Cruz has accomplished something that no one expected and that they probably love. And the fact is that he's just another weapon the Giants have now. There's no more suspense about, is he going to be on the field? Is he going to be successful? Is he going to stay healthy? As long as he keeps his health, you know, he's he's just a player again. He's just a, a really good football player that the Giants employ and helps them win football games. And that's something that, They've been waiting for for two years, and, and it's taken two weeks for them to be able to say that. Yeah, no, he is that. And, and really, you think about it, the Giants, I think, to their credit, have rebuilt this thing so he doesn't have to be the guy anymore. I mean, when he went down, 
what we had Odell Beckham was playing his second game in the NFL, I believe. I mean, no one had any idea at that point what Odell, Beck- Odell Beckham was going to be. And Sterling Shepard was, you know, in the middle of Oklahoma. No one in New York knew his name yet. So the fact that they rebuilt this receiving core around him, I think he, they don't need him to be the old Victor Cruz, just be a, a weapon. And that's, I think, Dan, that's going to be good enough. If, if Victor Cruz is just a weapon, the Giants have a lot of weapons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wrote that on Sunday morning just from, you know, talking to some of the guys on the team. And it, it's, again, I go back to at, at the third receiver last season was Preston Parker. I mean, it's, it's such a jump. Obviously, Beckham is Beckham. Shepard, you know, looking like a legitimate number two right out of the gates is a huge development. But I think people expected him to at least be a, you know, a serviceable number two. He's probably, you know, exceeded expectations, which were pretty high. But to have Victor Cruz as your third receiver, it, it just it opens up so much for him. And now teams are going to have to start covering him more, and it's going to open up things for other guys. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go. When's the last time the Giants, you guys obviously know the history better, have had three receivers at this level? It seems like it's got to be a while. Yeah, I, you know, the first thought I had last week watching the game, and that was when Cruz you know, didn't even do much except the touchdown catch, obviously, to win the game. I think it might be the best group of weapons Eli's ever had. I mean, when Plaxico Burris was, you know, healthy and not shooting himself, and Jeremy Shockey was young, and Tiki Barber, that was a very dynamic and different group. But in terms of just receivers, I don't know. I mean, James, interested to get your take on this. I don't know if he's ever had a better group. Um, Hakeem Nix and Steve Smith and Cruz as a kid uh, was was really good. Uh, Monty Toomer was older with Plaxico Burris. I don't know. I mean, it all depends on if Cruz could stay healthy, but this could be the best receiving core he, Eli's ever had, got the chance to throw to. No, I think it definitely is because, you know, Plexco was really good and Nix was really good, but none of them are Odell Beckham Jr. So I, I think Odell's talent, the fact that Shepard has such ability that he's starting to show, and then Cruz, you know, as you said earlier, the Giants have set this up perfectly. Victor Cruz is just he's the number three receiver, and that's not a knock against Victor, but that's what they need him to do. It's whatever he gives him is gravy. So, you know, they they've kind of played this really well. They they put him in a position to succeed. He's doing that. So I definitely think this is this is the most talented group that uh, that Eli's had in terms of receivers. You know, you know, running back and tight end. I, I think you definitely can make the argument that he's had better better options there in the past. But but definitely at Wyatt, this is the best crop of pass catches he's had. And you Are know you, what else is remarkable, let me just jump in, is, is how affordable this is. We talk about $200 million on defense. It helps when you have uh, two, two stud wide receivers on their rookie contracts. And obviously Victor Cruz took a pay cut this offseason. So when you're talking about bang for your buck, it'd be hard to top what these guys are giving them. That's a great that, point. Well, I mean, they got to enjoy it while it lasts because <laughs> obviously, you know, Cruz is going to have a big cap figure next year, and we're not going to talk about that. That's way too far down the road. And obviously Beckham, you know, he'll be eligible to potentially sign an extension or rework his contract after his third season. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts, Giants fans. Yes, enjoy it right now. And it, it's working. And so you guys both alluded to it. We're talking about Cruz, and you're saying you know, he's the number three, and that means Sterling Shepard is the number two. Eight catches, 117 yards yesterday. Um, we're doing this podcast on a Monday. So on Sunday against the Saints, eight for 117. And the thing that I I keep noticing, James, is Eli Manning already seems to trust him. Third down, pressure coming at Eli. The guy he's looking to over the middle of the field time and again seems to be Sterling Shepard. That, even more than the numbers, like that's standing out to me that he's got Eli's trust already. 
Eli is, is playing really well, and I think if they don't have the, those drops and he doesn't have that bad interception in Dallas, you know, he's off to a, a tremendous start. You know, it just it seems like he, you know, he's meshed with the, you know, and there was all this talk about, you know, getting a tempo with Victor or getting a tempo with Odell. They didn't play much in the preseason. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem like he's had any issues meshing with Sterling Shepard. They seem to be on the exact same page with the exception of the interception last week in Dallas. So they seem to be very comfortable with each other. I think it helps the Giants out that they have three receivers who are kind of, for the most part, going at full speed with Eli, and they can kind of go from there. Dan, for you, Sterling Shepard here, I mean, are you surprised he's been this productive already? Or having a chance to see him in camp, did you think he hit the ground you know, running the way he has? No, I'm surprised. Even as good as he looked in camp, he didn't make some of the plays he's already made. Like that touchdown catch he made against the Cowboys, I mean, I didn't realize he had that type of ball skills. And I know he has a good vertical, but I didn't know he had that in him. That was very impressive. And, and then, you know, the plays he made yesterday were more like what we saw in camp. Uh, you know, kind of moving the sticks, super reliable hands. I mean, eight targets, eight catches. Obviously can't be any better than that. And as you mentioned, it seemed like every time, you know, they were in a third and short, uh, Eli was looking his way, which uh, says a lot. Um, and he made, you know, he made those plays where he, you know, he gets open on a slant and is able to to make some plays after the yards after the catch, which was something that was really lacking yesterday for pretty much everyone else in the passing game. Uh, kind of kicking himself for probably making one too many moves, cost himself a touchdown. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, he's he's making big plays. Um, you know, I think, yeah, he's ahead of schedule from what I expected, and I already had high expectations. You know, as Odell Beckham has been pumping him up as uh, this rookie of the year candidate, I just didn't know if he'd enough, have enough opportunities in this offense, but he's making his own opportunities, and uh, he's making Odell look like a prophet so far. Yeah, he is. And the Giants have these three receivers now for Eli. When you guys mentioned Eli there and the way he played on Sunday and the way he's playing so far – I brought up the numbers the first two games, and I'm looking back now at his numbers since Ben McAdoo arrived, and I know it's a little different now because Ben's the coach, and now it's fully his offense. But since Ben McAdoo got to the Giants, Eli is completing 63.4% of his passes and has 68 touchdowns in 34 games. And you go back to his numbers before McAdoo got there. There were some good years, obviously two Super Bowls, but the completion percentage was under 60 for his career, and he was not throwing touchdowns. Uh, at that kind of rate and not moving the ball down the field at that kind of rate and what it, and, and so efficiently. James, with, with this offense with Eli, I mean, it's now year three with it. It just seems to me like it fits him like a glove. And I think a lot, I mean, you go back three years ago and there were so many people saying this, this wasn't good for Eli. This wasn't the right offense for him. And it's completely the opposite. I mean, this has changed his entire career. It has. Uh, he makes you wonder what, what would have life been like for him if he had been this, in this offense from the start of his career. Yeah, he just, you know, I, I said this earlier well, before the season started. I, I think the key number I'm looking for is can he throw fewer than 10 interceptions this season? Two games in, he's only got one. So, And that one was a play that wasn't his fault. It was receiver's fault. So he seems to be in complete control of this offense. Uh, they got to keep him upright, which was a challenge at times yesterday. But yeah, no, I, I think this this offense fits him like a glove. It's it's completely revitalized his career, and, and it's going to give the Giants a chance to to be in the playoffs this year, which is something they haven't been able to do in a while. No, it hasn't. And Dan, for you with Eli, I mean, are we to the point now where you watch? I mean, yesterday I was watching the game, and you know, obviously they're not scoring many points, and the offense has the turnovers and. It almost like you forget he's just he's playing so well. You look at I looked at the stats in the game. I was like, wow, he he really almost had a great game out there. It's just 
he makes very few mistakes in this scheme. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, you're watching the game and it's a close game. You're not really looking at the stats. And then I was definitely surprised, you know, 368 yards. I mean, that's it's a huge day. Uh, and the completion percentage was outstanding. Um, like you said, it doesn't always feel like that. I think Eli is just perpetually taken for granted, though. I mean, I think, you know, especially Giants fans who are going to live and die with every game. Someone like myself who's kind of come from the outside, uh, I think probably almost appreciates him more because you've seen what he's done in obviously the big games. You don't live through some of those kind of, you know, ugly games he's had from here and there, uh, here or there throughout his career. But, yeah, I think that if you look around the league, I mean, there's so many quarterbacks that get more hype than him. But at the end of the day, I mean, the numbers he puts up, uh, especially with McAdoo there, the way he's kind of eliminated some of those disastrous games. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely a guy who gets taken for granted. But uh, I think Giants fans should certainly appreciate it because uh, you're not going to have a quarterback like this forever. But for right now, enjoy it. Yeah, and I think we'd probably be remiss to not wrap the Eli part of this with, uh, and I'm sure you guys probably will you know, rewatch or however you guys do it on Game Pass because you were there at the game. But for me, watching on TV on Fox yesterday, they put up a graphic of his consecutive starts and then comparing his starts, Eli's 185 in a row, to the state of the NFC East, which we'll get into the Redskins in a second here in the matchup this coming week. But Kirk Cousins right now, for this moment, I guess, is the second most tenured quarterback in the division. And then you have a pair of rookies, and who knows what Romo's the rest of his career. So you add that to it, too, as the rest of the division just never knows what's going on at quarterback. And we'll see, you know, the Eagles hope they've really found something now. But the Giants have had Eli, and they've known that, and no one else has known anything in their division uh, for years here. All right, before we move on to the matchup and, and this week and the Redskins, there is the one concern, that is the offensive line, that everyone, you know, it's they've gotten through it. They've won two games here, James, but... Just from the eye test, Marshall Newhouse really seems to be struggling. I mean, maybe you guys have a different opinion. Maybe when you guys go back and rewatch it again, you'll feel maybe not as strongly as I do just off the one viewing of the game. But, I mean, he just – it feels like to me he gets pushed back into, the, into Eli and into the pile every play. I mean, how big of a deal is this offensive line, specifically Newhouse on the right side? I, I thought Newhouse played pretty well in Dallas yesterday, you know, it appeared, you know, I, I haven't got a chance to watch the, the full tape yet, but being there, it looked like on those back-to-back plays, Relay was sacked. It looked like Newhouse gave up the first sack, and it looked like he may have given up the second as well. It's a concern. I, I think the tackle play is one of the weak spots of this team. I think Eric Flowers is, is making progress, but at the same time, he'll have sloppy technique. Or, I mean, his hold out in the open field yesterday was – as blatant as they come. I mean, he basically bear hugged the defender. No, it, it's definitely a concern. And, you know, obviously if, if new, I was said earlier, if Newhouse can't play, you know, this week or for an extended period and, and will be, not quite yet ready. Then they're going to have to go with Bobby Hart. It, it's definitely a concern, but I think it's one of those, those concerns where the giants are just going to have to be smart about this and try to game plan around it and get rid of the ball quick and hope for the best. Dan, how big of a deal is Newhouse? Did you feel like he played really poorly, or, or is that just a little bit over the top from my eyes yesterday? No, I mean, from my eye test, uh, I came away with the same conclusion. Uh, you know, James said he kind of got, or yeah, you said he kind of got bull rushed back there a few times. It's just, it seems like that's just not his strength. If you have a really powerful defensive end, uh, you're going to be able to get some penetration on him. Uh, I think if he is injured, you might find, find out why he is in there, though, because I don't know if the guys behind him uh, are going to signal an upgrade. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, obviously the short yardage uh, blocking, I think, is a little bit of a concern. Uh, at the same time, I don't want to put it all on the offensive line yesterday because 
the receivers had plenty of chances to make plays and they didn't. Obviously, they came through with a few uh, down, you know, particularly Cruz's catch. Uh, but I, I don't, th- you know, they've been able to game plan or scheme or however you want to describe it around this offensive line for two years. No reason why they can't continue to do that. And again, I think yesterday uh, certainly knew how stood out. But I think that there was a lot of plays left on the field based on the receivers not making plays. Not so much that Eli was just constantly under duress and, and couldn't get anything going. So I, I think it would be an overreaction to to panic about the offensive line, it just kind of is what it is. You know, they'll they'll struggle against good pass rushes, but guess what? So don't, you know, 75% of the offensive lines, 80% of the offensive lines in this league. So um, I think it's a little bit of a concern, but it's the same concern they've had for, for two or three years now. So uh, they should be able to uh, to weather it. That's a good point. It is what it is, but, you know, they've done this for two years. It's not a special offensive line, but they've scored a lot of points without a special offensive line for a couple of years now. And as we look forward to this week, this should be fun. I mean, it's an early season division matchup. You guys have already started writing about this. There's so many storylines. The Redskins come to Giants Stadium or MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Uh, 2-0 Giants, 0-2 Redskins. It's a division game. It's the NFC East. I think we have to throw that caveat out there, James. We know this. Anything could happen in this division, and home field doesn't ever really mean that much. But right now, just based on where these two teams are at, it looks like two franchises going in different directions, at least for this season. It does. Uh, the Giants, 2-0. Everyone's feeling good. Lots of, lots of you know, niceties. Everybody, everybody likes each other. The Redskins, though, does not appear to be going well down in D.C. Uh, grumblings, that was the report coming out, that the offensive players are not happy with Kirk Cousins. Uh, there was a, a savage burn in there about Colt McCoy would be able to play with more poise than Kirk Cousins in that PFT report. Uh, our old pal Josh Norman apparently had to take a drug test after the game, and he wasn't pleased about that. Uh, I, it was a story, a column in the Washington Post where a player basically said, I don't know why we didn't make any halftime adjustments, and I don't know whose responsibility it is to make halftime adjustments. I think they ran the same play like three times in a row on the goal line. So, yeah, it's just, my NFC's title pick. Uh, I don't think this one's going to pan out, guys. And that's okay, James. I made the pick, too. Uh, they're struggling right now. But last year they did play well, especially you know beating the Giants in that game um, down in D.C. And, you know, it's, it's an NFC East matchup. Uh, things are always different in these games. I mean, I think the Giants have to play a good game to beat them. They can't, you know, have one of those where they leave a lot of plays in the field and expect to just blow them out. But as you look forward to the matchup, Dan, what stands out to you? And obviously I think we're all just, you know, kind of, have our ears perked up to see what this week brings with Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I can't believe we got this far into the show without really touching on that. Uh, I, I think sort of the Redskins' dysfunction and uh, the 0-2 start has almost taken a little of the, the buzz off of that because if the Redskins were coming in here 2-0, and you know, Josh Norman could be puffing his chest out and I think would really kind of have quite a buildup. I mean, I don't think Josh Norman's going to change. I mean, he kind of is who he is, but... It would, it would ring a little hollow if he's going to be talking a lot of trash coming into this game because they need to get their own things in order, um, obviously, over there. So um, I think the biggest thing with uh, Norman is going to be, does he follow Beckham? I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch their game yesterday, so I don't know how much he was matched up with Des Bryant. I know that you know Bryant obviously had better numbers uh, than he did against the Giants, but I can't say if he did that against Norman or not. But, uh, you know, it's like Victor Cruz said – he has to match up with Beckham because they've had, they have their history. You say you're the best corner in the world. It just has to happen. I mean, if the Redskins 
they need to make some changes anyways. So whatever they've been doing the first two weeks obviously isn't working. So I think that that'll uh, be very interesting to see how that plays out. I'm sure there'll be some talk this week, but I, I really think Ben McAdoo didn't love the fact that Victor Cruz and Janoris Jenkins, uh, you know, threw a little fuel on the fire last week. So I would assume uh, he's reined that in. I can't imagine we'll get a bunch of trash talk out of the Giants this week, but you never know. It only takes one guy. So um, we'll keep our ears open, of course. From what I read in the Washington Post, uh, Norman did shadow Dez in the second half of their loss to the Cowboys. They, they started out with him picking a side, but I guess they kind of switched gears at halftime. Uh, Norman had more success against Dez than the, than Bashawn Breland did on the other side. So, yeah, I, I wonder if is Jay Gruden, he's 0-2, you know, the team's under fire. Is he going to kind of be pressured to say, look, we paid Norman $70 million to do this. We're putting him on Beckham the whole game. Obviously, if they do that, that's going to kind of, you know, kind of put even more fuel on this fire. Look, this has been a long time coming this week. I, I think Dan's right. I expect the Giants to close ranks for the most part, but I think the Redskins will do the same. From what I understand, Norman's going to speak to the media on Wednesday. Uh, we're not sure. Usually Odell speaks on Wednesday, but that can also kind of – he might talk on Thursday too. It's kind of a fluid thing. Uh, we're hoping that Josh Norman will join us – here on the New York beat on uh, the teleconference that, you know, the opposing team uh, player and coach do, do with each team before each game week in the NFL. But something tells me that's not going to happen. But as Dan said, it only takes one person to say something and away we'll go. At some point here, the fireworks are going to go off. We know that whether it be this week with a you know press conference with Josh Norman or something someone says or one o'clock Sunday at MetLife when the Redskins come in. It should be a great atmosphere. Giants fans will be in a tizzy if the team get to 3-0 and and also bury the Redskins. Thanks, guys, for doing this. As always, we'll be back next week to break down the game against the Redskins and look forward to what should be a very interesting October for the Giants. Thanks to all of you guys for listening. You can subscribe and always listen on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Any way you want to listen, you can listen to our Giants podcast. Talk is cheap right here on NJ.com. 